am Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. We are super excited to be joined by Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories today. Hello, Emma. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so excited. So for a bit of background, Emma has a podcast called Real Life Ghost Stories, where she does bits of research on spooky things, but also reads out the stories that people send in, in her gorgeous Irish accent. I met Emma, we did an online thing together last year to promote Win, Lose, Kill, Die. And I have been listening ever since. So it's really exciting to have you here today. Yeah, this I'm really excited to be here because obviously since we did the promo stuff for Win, Lose, Kill, Die. Like I've obsessively followed you <laughs> like a little stalker. So when you asked me to come on, I was like, absolutely. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Because I felt really weird asking. So good. I'm glad. <laughs> no, not at all. Don't feel weird about it. I've been stalking you too. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I love that. I love the, uh, I always remember meeting um, one of my husband's, it was an ex-girlfriend now years ago. And you know, when you just really bond with somebody immediately. But we were both absolutely leathered. And I woke up the next morning like, oh, my God, was I too much? I've just completely, oh, what have I done? But the next time I met her, we were both a bit like sheepish with each other. And she said, Cynthia, I woke up like that. She said, your phone number was on my face. <laughs> she said, and I was just <laughs> we had like she had done the same thing. And we just bonded over how weird we had been together. There's nothing better than find, meet, meeting strangers and just being able to be weird with them. It's great. Yeah, fellow weirdos. Right, so Emma, kick us off. Tell us three facts about you, one of which is not true. Okay, so um, I, I'm, I'm just going to go straight into it. Mm-hmm. Fact number one. I once had a strange experience in the Lake District that I believe was a cryptid. Ooh. Mm. Fact number two, I am banned from the Church of Scientology. Oh, I hope that's true. And fact number three, despite being a professional ghost storyteller, I'm actually a doctor. Right. Ooh. Those are really good ones, aren't they? I listened to I listened to a podcast called And That's Why We Drink, and they covered a Lake District cryptid recently. Is he a bit like, it looks a bit like a hedgehog. He's got a really funny name, like the Squiggly or something like that. No, that wasn't what I saw. Okay. No, I mean, I do love, I love a good hedgehog. So if it was hedgehog adjacent, I'd be pretty happy about it, I think. But it was not, what I saw was definitely not a hedgehog. Okay. Or hedgehog adjacent, neither of those things. See, I think you could have a doctorate in something, which makes you a doctor technically, even though it might not be a medical doctor. I think the Scientology thing. Oh, I mean, I really want that one to be true. <laughs> yeah, and would love to know how you got banned. Yeah, what happened? If it is true, did you really piss off Tom Cruise? Yeah, I have to say, separate to the Scientology incident, um, I'm not a fan of Tom Cruise, and um, actually, it's probably linked to the Scientology incident too. So you know. Whatever. To me and Tom Cruise, we don't get on. No. Right. He's a bit dead behind the eyes in my life. Mm. Oh, I'm this trying is to like I'm trying to not say too much because I don't <laughs> want to give anything away. Yeah. Right. I think the cryptid one is fake. Oh, interesting. I think that the um sorry. <laughs> I think I think maybe you've had some kind of run in with with the Church of Scientology and 
but I don't think you're banned. Oh, this is where you get them right because you go. Yeah, this is it's the detail, of... isn't it? Yeah. But these are really good because they're they're just like very short statements. Mm. So I, yeah, I. I'm do you want go... me to? Do you want me to give you more detail on any of them? No, it's oh. fine. I'm going to go for the first one. I think that one's not true. So the first one was the cryptid one as that well. Was me as yes. Well. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay, so I'm not allowed to tell you now, am no, I? I have to wait yet. until the end. No, people have to hang around and, and listen to the whole thing, you see. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll find out at the end. Right, okay. What are you telling us about today? So I am Emma, obviously. I am the host of Real Life Ghost Stories, and I have been the host of Real Life Ghost Stories for the last four years. We just had our four-year anniversary, which is a very long time to be talking about <laughs> ghost stories. And I started Real Life Ghost Stories because I'm a terribly competitive person and I started listening to podcasts and I thought, I can do that. <laughs> I can absolutely do that with that blind enthusiasm that um, so often accompanies me in, in life. And um, so I tell stories every week. I do three episodes a week. Two of them are listener mini episodes where people send in their spooky experiences. And one of them is a deep dive into a famous paranormal case or claim. So that is that is what I do. Absolutely fab. So have you been researching anything weird and wonderful recently that you can tell us about? Oh, all the time. <laughs> My world is just researching weird and wonderful things. So I don't know, as as authors, you know, it must be quite frustrating at times when you come across something and you think, this exists in the world. Somebody published this. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know what that's like. Yeah. Somebody wrote this down. And Often a celebrity. Confidence yeah. to have this published. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the frustrating one. When you read it, you go, huh. Mm. Yeah, this this is going to make loads of money. Brilliant. Anyway, so a part of what I love to do is I love to find weird and wonderful erotica uh, <laughs> from, nice. from, from across the internet. And I particularly, interrupt. yes, of course you can. Okay. Um, please tell me you're doing that weird coronavirus one. Did you ever see that one? No. So I don't know why it was advertised to me. <laughs> Um, but at some point <laughs> mid pandemic, there was like seducing the coronavirus or something, and it was like the, the COVID had become this green man. I oh my like, goodness! When I looked at it, it's on Amazon, so I looked at the th- you know the details on it, and it was like nine pages long. And I thought, oh, someone's just had a really a really good morning to themselves. <laughs> it was just oh, like so. Is this going to be one of those things where people, where someone on like a talk show is like, I married my COVID virus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love love it. Everyone says it is. Um, Yeah. I'm sorry, Emma. I had to just, it wasn't that one. Please never apologise for highlighting various erotica uh, genres to me because (laughs) coronavirus erotica was not something that I was aware of. And now I am immediately after this going to go look it up. And (laughs) as a result, the... The special agent who lives in my laptop is going to be like, oh, no, she's at it again. Yeah. Oh, please stop. <laughs> no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but that's it. That's definitely that. That's kind of one of the things that I do quite regularly is search for various strange um, types of erotica. And I read them on my Patreon page. I do dramatic readings <laughs> with and I bring friends along and we have a few drinks and we'll generally make a cocktail inspired by the dramatic reading <laughs> of the particular erotica. 
and uh, we comment on our feelings about the erotica. Like, is it is it sexy? I'm um, spoiler alert: it generally never is. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it is it anatomically accurate? Again, spoiler alert: it generally never is. <laughs> And uh, I have one. I have one for you, um, that I was sent by a friend. Among my uh, group of friends, we spend a lot of time, an inordinate amount of time, some might say, discussing cryptid erotica. Uh, it's become quite a weird thing within my group of friends. I will often, <laughs> if I've had a few too many margaritas, do dramatic readings of cryptid erotica just for people in in smoking areas, whatever. <laughs> um, and for. <laughs> For um for New Year's this year, I, I'm moving into a new house. So I said, I'm going to host New Year's, but the party has to be themed. And when we were discussing it um the other night while I was dressed as Mothman. Uh, <laughs> a classic. That's, that's just as weird as it sounds. It was, it was, there was no rhyme or reason to it. I was just dressed as Mothman having dinner. Anyway, and people came to my house. We decided to have a cryptid themed fancy dress night. And my friend decided that she was going to dress up as a jackalope. Do you know what a jackalope is? No. An animal? Like, is a, it, yeah, half antelope or something. So a jackalope is a large hair-like creature that has antlers. I think it's specifically like a North American mythological cryptid oh, okay. type thing. It's not real. Not real, no. And I said to her, I was like, that's a very easy cryptid to do because all you need is rabbit ears mm-hmm. and some antlers. Okay, so that's, I feel like that's almost cheating, but okay. And said, I found something for you. And it was um, jackalope erotica. Wow. I'm mm. a bit worried about where this is going. <laughs> mm, you should be. You should be. <laughs> so I'm going to read you the description of this particular oh jackalope God. erotica. When Connor answers an ad looking for a perfect 10 farmhand, he's sceptical about the services required, especially when the pay is $50,000 a month. <laughs> wow. But when he arrives at the farm and meets Teddy and Lisa, an elderly couple who run the government subsidized ranch, his fears are put at rest. That is until Connor takes a tour of the giant industrial breeding center and learns exactly what his new job is all about. (laughs) 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 Anything with like government subsidized in the blurb. Yeah. Alarm bells. It turns out that the legendary North American jackalopes are real and being harvested for their sperm. There's also a very particular way that Connor must go about getting it. Oh. A gay jackalope gangbang. There you go. Wow. That's that's what I spend my time doing. (laughs) Oh, at least you're not spending your time writing it, Emma. Well, this is the thing. I know that you guys were discussing mermaid sex, right? Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't record. We were devastated, but we had a friend on who is writing a mermaid story at the minute. And she was like, I've had to kind of make up how they have sex because she was like, if they're just a fish on the bottom, that's really boring. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they do it the way fish do it, that's boring. She was like, so just give her legs for the night. I, I, I love that energy. <laughs> yeah, I've just found. So this is kissing the coronavirus. Oh, wow. You know what? I did see that. I remember the cover now. It's It was in April 2020. So we were like early. Very past- quick off the mark. Yeah. Our publisher is Viral Erotica. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, is there a description? 
Very short. So the book centres around a romance between Alexa Ashington Ford, a researcher tasked with curing the coronavirus and an anthropomorphized version of the COVID-19 virus. The book had a mixed reception. (laughs) Would you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. A masterwork of bad erotica. Oh, and December 2020, a sequel called Kissing the Coronavirus 2, The Second Wave, was published. I just... Oh, I just, God. So... <laughs> <laughs> whoever wrote that, they were in. They were just sitting in lockdown and just thought, I know what, I know what I'll do with my time. Instead of baking some banana bread, I'm going to write what the world needs right now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I will say that that primarily the writers of cryptid erotica <laughs> tend to be men. I'm really shocked <laughs> by that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> mm. and the descriptions of uh, vaginas and the female anatomy in general would would definitely point to the writers being yeah. unfamiliar. Right, I mean, the um, there's this meme that makes its way around every now and then, and it's you know books written by men is like Brenda breasted tittily down the stairs. <laughs> It's just so accurate. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely accurate, and um, I I have decided that I um well now that I I've just finished producing a show, so my life's been really hectic, and uh, uh, that's finished. So I've got a lot of time on my hands now, and I've decided <laughs> that what I'm going to do with that time is I'm going to try and write the ultimate Bigfoot erotica. Oh um, yeah, mm. nice. Do you know what I was just about to say? I loved Bigfoot as a kid, <laughs> but not in Happy that way. Georgia, yeah, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, Harry Georgia. I will say that uh, a lot of other people love Bigfoot too, and uh, oh gosh, definitely not in the innocent, naive childhood way. No, no. Um, I'm just wondering when you do your research, do you like? I mean, are you just, is it always in the back of your mind? you like on your phone doing it, on your phone doing it? Or do you like lock yourself in your room? You're like, right, I'm doing my research. Do not come in here. And then you're away on your laptop. Because I'm just thinking, you know, like your search history. If someone asked you a question, like, oh, let's look, let's just check that. And then the list of suggestions that you get. Does it, you know, is it kind of impacting your daily life, this research? Uh, yeah, I would say it is. Yeah, I would say it absolutely is. Because um, I don't, unfortunately, have the good grace of having a filter. Um, (laughs) So when I do research things, I don't have the decency to make sure it's confined to my office. Yeah. I will just research things on my phone as I'm out and about. I will tell people, uh, oh, I'm just, I'm just looking up Bigfoot erotica, (laughs) whatever it is. And if something occurs to me at a particular time, like recently we were discussing dinosaurs in my friend's garden. And I was like, I wonder. <laughs> uh, yes, dinosaur erotica does exist. Just to let really? you all know. Just, mm. Is it like T-Rex oh. with his little arms? Like... Uh, yeah, yeah. He does have very little arms, but uh, he also has the power of telepathy, apparently. So, Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, he, he, make, he makes up for it. Makes up for the little arms. <laughs> oh, you know, this is a side of Wattpad I've never found. <laughs> yeah. And this is a side of Wattpad that apparently I frequent. So there you go. <laughs> oh my God. Brilliant. Oh. So are, think... there any, are there any major gaps in the world of erotica? Because it just sounds like everything is covered. <laughs> I'd say, I would say that the major gap in the world of erotica is uh, uh, an ability to write. 
<laughs> talent i'm gonna have to go and look some- <laughs> you will absolutely you will absolutely have to look some up i can recommend um i believe it's called uh bent over by bigfoot is one of the, one of the popular oh, wow. ones oh my god and generally generally like for example i'm not getting this vibe from bent over by bigfoot but <laughs> is there a bit of courting going on first or are we just straight into the into the you know the actual sex i have found that there tends to be a very short uh scene setting so right. it might be um you know she's a scientist she's working in the wilderness or she's camping she takes- like lots of females in khaki shorts and yeah yeah that sort of thing and then it 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 launches quite heavily into the sex and it it tends to be a bit um uh stockholmy at times like stockholm syndrome at times which is you know there there are questions about consent etc within the realm of bigfoot erotica Mm. um so you know in my experience the 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 plot is few and the sex is many. Right, right. Okay. Mm. Okay. Interesting. And interesting that if it's not as detailed as it maybe should be, that they're just repeating ideas oh, yeah. over and over again. Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the same the same sex scene over and over again. Yeah. Oh dear. But people love it, don't they? I mean people absolutely love it. One of the things that I am um, was researching was like other people's reviews of of erotica, what do people really think of it? And I, I, I think it might have even been as mainstream as a BuzzFeed article of a girl who read as much as she could, and she reviewed her top, her top Bigfoot erotica books. <laughs> you know, there was a there was a Republican senator in America who accidentally, I believe, pub- uh, posted something about Bigfoot erotica on his Instagram, and that was really when Bigfoot erotica became kind of weirdly mainstream in the last <laughs> couple of years. Why um, would you do that? Oh my god! Oh. Well, whoops oh that i mean that is a big whoops that is a big old whoops was it a copy and paste you know like sometimes on facebook now because i don't go on it as often as i used to and when you search for something it's right next to the bar that's like asking you what you're doing right now so you always see people like posting somebody's name (laughs) like yeah ex-girlfriend's name was it one of those jobs yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I think was it maybe that he liked something Bigfoot erotica related? I can't even remember, but either way, he very publicly outed himself as a Bigfoot erotica fan. Right. Um and obviously people were uh both confused and um alarmed and also very mm. curious. So well, But you know what? He's not hurting anyone, is he? No, he isn't. <laughs> no, he isn't. That we know of. Yeah. Unless he's got poor Bigfoot locked up in his garage at home oh i know that's the other thing isn't it it's like well how much does bigfoot consent to this you yeah know? yeah but do you think he just reads it like oh i'm famous guys yeah like, i think he reads it and he's like that is not, not what how I do. a vagina works <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he's like i would never do that <laughs> i mean at least i mean is there only one bigfoot i mean he's very busy isn't he then <laughs> Very, very busy cryptid. Yeah. yeah. Very in demand. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I it's wasn't expecting this on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> no. I thought you were going to tell us about some ghosts. <laughs> oh, no. No, <laughs> that'd be too easy. Too easy. <laughs> it was like I was there uh, before we came on. I was talking about uh, some of my friends, the Poisoner's Cabinet, have a true crime podcast. And we regularly discuss 
the the agents that live in our laptops and they're thinking, mm, I'm not sure about these guys. Because, you know, when you're when you're researching true crime, you end up looking up all sorts of mad things, you know, yeah. like and they're particularly poison based. Mm-hmm. So they're looking up like what household items can you use to kill somebody, you know? And well, uh, I thought, you know what, that's too easy. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet when Lose Kill Die, it was like your your agent in your laptop was like, uh, guys. <laughs> yeah. The new one, I remember when I was doing my edits and somebody had been stabbed, but I didn't necessarily want them to die, at least not quickly. So I was Googling like, where would you stab somebody in the ribs that would be non-fatal, <laughs> but, but would cause? Like, how do you treat a stab wound with duct tape? That kind of stuff. <laughs> so... At least you're very informed now, though. That's true. That is very true. You can patch up anything with duct tape, apparently. Okay, so I've got a question for you guys. Georgia, what is the? what do you think is the weirdest thing that you've Googled that would cause great alarm for the secret agent that lives in your laptop? Oh, good question. Mm. I was saying to Cynthia today that I think the research that I've been doing for the topics we're doing recording today has been probably the most disturbing and the most worrying I think if someone looked at my browser history because I am going to look at we're going to talk about vampire lifestyles you know Mm. these people who live their lives as vampires or Mm. think that they're vampires and there's like there's this kind of like umbrella term and then but then within that there's like sanguinarians who actually drink blood I mean you probably know all this but she then read, and she read people, porn about it anyway <laughs> obviously <laughs> and there's a lot of like like kink around bloodletting and, and sharing blood and stuff like that and I mean like I said you know you're not hurting anybody but you are if you're cutting people you know and yeah and, yeah and that just all and I'm like really into vampires and stuff but not that's just a bit too like that yeah uh, and some of the things that I was like googling I was a bit like someone's gonna knock on my door yeah um and because there's a lot of there's been a lot of murders a lot of murders there's been a lot of uh, people convicted for murders who use like oh I'm I'm a, actually a vampire or mm. you know I have um Renfield syndrome which is this urge to drink blood and it it just was all a bit like oh that's that's not and my husband went he was like I'm gonna go to bed now I was like don't go I'm I'm actually feeling a little bit like (laughs) yeah a little bit icky yeah a bit icky see your husband should be more worried about you looking stuff up like that (laughs) rather than like some agent (laughs) yeah (laughs) if he opened your laptop and was like yeah we okay (laughs) yeah he's like what why are we looking at yeah yeah um how do you safely drink a human's blood? Oh, oh, it makes me feel. Oh. I my my worry would be just bloodborne diseases. Like, yeah. Well, apparently, sorry, I'm I'm giving all of this stuff away now. But apparently, like true kind of um, vampires, people who live their lives as vampires by drinking human blood, they do it. They tend to be part of these like organized alliances and societies. So it's all done safely and they'll have a medical professional there who. So there's no like biting into people or anything like that. But and the donors have to like go through screenings and all of that sort of stuff. So it's all done quite safely. And a lot of them do drink animal blood instead because they just, you know, but it's just to, to quench that thirst for blood. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Interesting. That's mad. 
It is mad. I love it. Yeah. What about you, Cynthia? What's your one where you thought you'd get, you know? <laughs> I've got this weird, I think it's a bit of a fascination. Um, so at the end of Last One to Die, my first book, without giving away like spoilers, something happens in a mausoleum and there's somebody keeping a dead body in this mausoleum. And it's based on a real life story of a guy called Carl Tanzler. And we did an episode on it. Have you come across Carl Tanzler? So when he like dug up this woman and then kept her and preserved her and, and all this stuff. But I quite frequently find myself telling people about that or looking it up again because <laughs> it's so fascinating. Um, and then there's another one that's in Mexico that I'm hoping to write a short story about. And it's this mannequin in a shop window, but yes. it looks so realistic that they, it's like rumoured that it's a real person, that it's the daughter of the shop owner. And that thought of like preserving bodies and that absolutely fascinates me. Like, how do you embalm someone or how would you preserve somebody for that long? And, you know, what's the decomposition process and all of that nice stuff. <laughs> and it's... being so unwilling to let a person go that you're just prepared to go through all of that because it can't yeah. be a very nice thing to do just to make sure that you've got them. Well, yeah. Got... Mary Shelley did it, didn't she? She preserved her husband's heart and like carried it around. And when we were in Rome in the summer, we walked past, um, there's a Keats and Shelley museum there, which I thought was weird. So me being me goes to my husband, oh, look, that's this. And did you know that this happened to this? And he turned around and he went, that's kind of nice. <laughs> and I was like, you have been hanging out with me for way too long. <laughs> so but like, there is. your heart and carried it around. <laughs> there is, I think there is something uh, this is probably quite a controversial thing to say, but the story about the guy who took, it was his wife. It was the love of his life, wasn't it? Where he took her home and preserved her. No. Oh, you just said his name. Carl Tanz, like it wasn't his wife. Yeah. It was just some girl that he had a fixation on. And there was never any proof that she was reciprocal. And in the end, the family got her body back and buried it in a secret location. So he couldn't get it again. That was it. The poor family. They must have been like, mm. what the fuck? Oh, I mean, it's bad. awful, but mm. yeah, yeah, it, it's awful. And it's, but it's also so incredibly sad um, to not be able to let somebody go. But, you know, it's not like I, I always wanted to be a pathologist. Like, so, yeah. you know, I think a fascination with death and what happens after you die is a very, is actually a very normal thing. Mm. Yeah. I think mine is a lot more since I went through cancer treatment and came out the other mm. side. I'm like weirdly fascinated now by the whole situation. Oh, I bet. And what, how your body responds to things for sure. I bet. Yeah. Okay. So Emma, would you like to reveal to us which one of your facts was fake? Uh, so to clarify, my three facts were that I once had a strange experience in the Lake District with what I believe was cryptid. Number two, that I'm banned from the Church of Scientology. And number three, despite being a storyteller, I'm actually a doctor. The fact that is not true is, number one, I did not have a strange yeah. experience in the Lake District with what I believed to be a cryptid. The other two are, in fact, true. Oh, so what are you a doctor of? Uh, I'm actually a doctor of education. Um, I did. I finished my doctorate in uh, 2020. I forgot that you used to be a teacher. Yes, I did. I used to be a teacher. I finished my doctorate in 2020 and I try and uh, crowbar it into as many conversations as I physically can. 
as yeah. you should and yeah. I hope we get everything addressed to Dr Emma <laughs> yeah and I correct people all the time when they're like uh, Mrs Miss I'm like oh yeah that's doctor yeah. <laughs> sorry don't forget oh, that <laughs> I don't do one just so I can say that <laughs> Very worth it just to be able to say it's doctor, actually. So what happened with the Church of Scientology then? Um, or is this, I mean, have you been like, are you even allowed to talk about it? Yes, I'm allowed to talk about it. Don't worry. They probably don't remember at this point, but it was specifically the Dublin branch of the Church of Scientology. So many moons ago, I did a degree in uh, theology. And part of my degree was that I had to do a module on new religious movements, um, which is the the proper technical term for a cult, basically. Um, and all religions start as a new religious movement at some point. And mm-hmm. we were looking at modern new religious movements. And I decided, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the Church of Scientology and I'm going to. I'm going to have a chat with them and see what the crack is. So I went to I knew where the Church of Scientology was in Dublin um, it's on Henry Street, if anybody's interested. And uh, I went into the Church of Scientology with my friend and I said, you know, I'm interested in what you guys do. And they decided to give me there and then me and my friend a Dianetics test. And we both knew like um, the, what a Dianetics test was and what that meant. So my friend was like, OK, well, I, I'm I'm going to cheat the test. I'm going to I'm going to be the perfect person in this test. And I said, OK, I'm going to do it normally, like as a as as myself, whatever. And obviously, because I was a student, I was like drinking loads and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Dianetics test, um, they really honed in on me and they were like, we can, we can save you. Like we can, we can make your life so much better. Uh, these are all the books that you can buy. And we have all these courses um, and, you know, to help you with your, um, with your alcohol consumption, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. Sure. So I was like, oh, that's really good. But I, I'd like, I'd really like to speak to whoever like is in charge. Um, so they gave me this guy's email address and we were chitter chattering via email. And I said to him, I'd love to ask you a few questions um, about Scientology because I'm really interested in learning more. And I'm really interested because I'm studying theology and blah, blah. And I explained, I explained to him kind of honestly the reasons why. So I sent him a list of questions and they started out quite um, formally you know, about the logistics of Scientology and stuff. And then uh, when I, <laughs> and then I, and then I deep dove into the, you know, the history of L. Ron Hubbard, how he's a science fiction writer and how yeah. a lot of their teaching is based on the works of a science fiction writer. And, you know, the, the, the vast, vast problems with Scientology, monetarily, socially, emotionally, mentally, all of those things. And the the, res- the replies I got from the guy became shorter and shorter and shorter. And then eventually at the end, it was like, please be aware that you are no longer welcome into the Church of Scientology. We request <laughs> that you do not present yourself at our church again. And I was like, wow. Okay. Uh, just so y'all know, I um, got full marks in the assignment. So there you go. Yay. <laughs> Worth it. Yeah, it was how weird that they don't like being asked questions. Oh, they know who they thought. Have you ever a documentary about Scientology? Yeah. They are just, no, they don't Mm. like being questioned at all. And it is all based on aliens that a guy made up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's the Thetans? I think they call them Thetans, maybe. I don't even remember now, but it's, yeah. And it it was a very interesting experience, and it was a very um being in the church, being in within the church itself, 
and having that Dianetics test done and all that stuff, I was like, oh, you can see how people get sucked into this because it right. was all like, it was all like, we, it was a bit like, you know that episode of The Simpsons <laughs> with, with the quote? That's what it felt like. I was like, wow, things would be so much better here. And then I was like, no, Emma, don't get sucked in. <laughs> no, but this is it. And it's vulnerable people who, yeah. who do get sucked into that kind of stuff. And yeah. But yeah, so there you go. Did not see a cryptid in the Lake District. So, oh well, apparently he looks like a hedgehog. So maybe one day there'd be no well, bigfoots there. Well, you don't know. Yeah, true. I don't know. Maybe when I write my erotica, I'll be I'll set it in the Lake District at a little B and B. Yeah, <laughs> nice little Airbnb. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Well, thank you. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. That was, that was hilarious. A yeah. bit of a wild no, ride. Fascinating. Fascinating. I know. You know, it takes all sorts, doesn't it? It does take all sorts. It yeah. really does. Yeah. And you know, we were talking before, I've had a really odd morning of just weird people and it's the full moon today. So wow. that fit quite nicely into our full moon shenanigans. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Thank you for joining us, Emma. It's been fab having you on and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Browser history deleted.